0: Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare, but through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps, or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door.
3: This is the Tom Hartman
0: Program. Putting the Trump name on things when you're trying to raise money from conservatives or Republicans apparently really works. just got an email from the RNC. It actually says it's from Trump headquarters, but then when you look, it says rnchq.com, and at the top it says, authorized by Trump headquarters. Thomas, can you keep a secret? Sean Hannity wrote a new book titled Live Free or Die. It won't be available till later this month. Because you're a top supporter, we're giving you priority access so you can get your copy first. But that's not the best part. Sean signed a limited amount of copies. Should be a limited number of copies. And President Trump has requested that we save one for you. All you have to do is contribute $75 or more in the next hour. And we'll send you a signed copy. blah blah blah, blah. And we're only offering this exclusive opportunity to our top supporters of the Republican National Committee like you. I've never given a penny to the Republican National Committee. But, you know, hey, that never stopped Republicans from lying, even to their own people. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. We've got, I don't know, what would you say? Weird? Interesting? Dynamic going on in the Republican Party right now that I think is extraordinary. The Republican Party trying to, on the one hand, figure out a way to embrace black voters and, on the other hand, trashing black people. Kanye West, whose wife, Kim Kardashian West, is out there saying he is mentally ill. He has a serious problem with bipolar disorder. Please do not feed this behavior. I mean, she's, I, I'm not sure she said, please do not feed this behavior, but she has clearly on multiple occasions said he's mentally ill. And all you have to do is watch his behavior over the last year or so to see that, you know, this is a guy, he's the classic brilliant artist, right? I mean, you know, it's like Van Gogh was almost certainly suffering from either schizophrenia or bipolar disorder and ended up cutting off his own ear as a consequence of it. The tortured artist, the artist who is struggling with mental health and mental illness, but out of that mental illness every now and then come just absolute sparks of brilliance. That's Kanye West. As a performer, as an artist, he's brilliant. But apparently some piece of that brilliance, that creativity, is coming out of or associated with his mental illness. Or maybe not. Maybe he's just, you know, a good artist who also happens to be mentally ill. But whatever the case may be, the Republican Party and the Trump administration want to exploit this guy and his struggle to try to win the election, to try to, try to keep, you know, Trump in the White House. And my question is, really? Do the Republicans really think that African-Americans in the United States will vote for any old person, even somebody who is mentally ill running for president of the United States, just because their skin is black or dark. Do they really think that? Apparently they do. And what does this say about how Republicans regard African-Americans or people of color more broadly? This is from Today's New York Times. No, actually it was yesterday's. By Danny Hakim and Maggie Haberman. The headline, Republicans aid Kanye West's bid to get on the 2020 ballot. They write, the effort to get Kanye West on the ballot as a third party candidate in several states is increasingly looking like an operation run by President Trump's allies and Republican activists that is aimed at diverting votes from Joe Biden. Now, this is this is a process known as... Rat effing, right? Rat bleeping. You you know how to fill in the word. And um, this was something that Roger Stone was promoting very aggressively back during the Nixon years. Uh, Part of this is how they took down Ed Muskie. Richard Nixon in the 1972 election knew that he could beat George McGovern, but he also knew that Ed Ed, Muskie, Ed Muskie, the senator from Maine, would beat Nixon. I mean, this is the polls just clearly showed this. So they sent Chuck Colson and a bunch of other guys up to Maine to, to mess with M- Muskie's head. And, uh, you know, in, according to some reports, give him LSD. And he ended up, you know, standing in the back of a pickup truck crying about his wife. And they took down Ed Muskie so that they could run against George McGovern and have a blowout victory. Well, this was apparently something Roger Stone had something to do with or engineered, and Now they think that they're going to do the same thing. Lane Ruland, a lawyer who worked for the Trump campaign, dropped off signatures in Wisconsin the uh, day before yesterday. The Milwaukee Sentinel Journal said at least five other people connected to Mr. West's Wisconsin bid are active in the Republican Party or are Trump supporters. Um, uh, Other people active in the party are connected to Mr. West's West's candidacy. One operative, Mark Jacoby, is an executive at a company called Let the Voters Decide, which has been collecting signatures for the West campaign in Ohio, West Virginia, and Arkansas. And then Rudy Giuliani goes on Fox News, and I believe it was this morning. It was on Fox and Friends, and he says... You know who knows America? You know who knows the best? African Americans. I've actually had them tell me, why aren't they classified as a terrorist group? He's talking about Black Lives Matter. Just because they're black and nobody can say it? These are killers. These are people who hate white people. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani went on Fox and Friends this morning and said people who support Black Lives Matter hate white people. He said, we're either going to remain a free enterprise country or we're going to become some kind of socialist country that Black Lives Matter and Antifa wants. Biden has agreed with it, and he's too weak to oppose it. He says, so we're headed for pure socialism. We're headed for the end of private education. That would be the private education that exploded across the country in the late 1950s in response to Brown v. Board. We're headed for a drastic reduction in churches, the ability to go to church, right, which is just complete BS. They are dead opposed to the military. Wrong. We're opposed to stupid spending on the military. They want to do away with the police. Nobody has suggested doing away with the police. This is no longer America. Yeah, with people like Rudy Giuliani saying this. He said Black Lives Matter and similar groups, quote, are literally trying to overthrow our way of life with a phony election. Our way of life. Oh, yeah, I get it. Rudy means white people's way of life. Like a way of life supported by keeping black people down. Is that what he's talking about? Every two or three days, it seems like, I share with you one of these fundraising emails that I get from the Trump campaign. The one from, uh, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday of this week. It was just particularly bizarre. It was, as I recall from Don Jr., And it said, Thomas, my father and I were going over our donor records and my father pointed out to me your name and said that you have been one of our really extraordinary contributors and therefore we would like to put you on our wall of honor. And there was a picture of Donald Trump standing in front of a bunch of plaques on a wall, uh, implying that my name would go on a plaque that would hang on a wall in the White House. And it's like, yeah, I gave $5 back in 2015 to get on the list." It's like, what? And then today I got one. My father. This is from Eric Trump. That one I think was from Don Jr. This one, Thomas, what an honor. My father just signed one of our 2020 Make America Great Hats and now he wants to give it to you. And you is in all caps. Can you believe it? You've been one of my father's fiercest supporters from the beginning, Thomas. So when he told me of his plan to give this unique hat to a lucky patriot, we both agreed it shouldn't go to anyone else. All you have to do is contribute thirty dollars, and you'll automatically be entered to win this iconic hat. But we only have a few spots left in the entry list, so you have to ask, act fast. And then there's the you know click on here. Um, this this is these guys are running a scam. I mean, they, they must think actually you know I I think the fact that they continue doing this and have for three and a half years proves that uh, potential Trump voters are idiots or gullible or vulnerable or, you know, over 80 and, and, you know, struggling cognitively. Judd Legum is pointing this, has been pointing this out for a while over at his newsletter, popular.info. Uh, it's an absolute brilliant uh, daily newsletter that I've been subscribing to for a while and I encourage you to. Popular.info is where you can find all about it. And Judd is on the line with us. Hey, Judd, welcome back.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: I am so glad to have you here. You do such great work. And uh, so tell us tell us about the uh, the latest scam that's coming out of the Trump campaign.
1: Yeah, well, this is something I've been following for a while, which is there's been over 20 of these contests to have a meal with Trump, which is a fairly typical contest for these, these uh, political campaigns, presidential campaigns. It started, I think Obama was probably the first person to do it, but it's a good way to raise a lot of money because people are interested in it. But one thing I noticed was that there's never any pictures of Trump with these low-dollar donors, which is not the case with Obama or, or any of the other Republicans who do contests like this. So I actually noticed there was a contest that was going on this week to have dinner with Trump in New York, in Southampton, New York. And he actually will be there for a fundraiser. But when you dig into this, There was over $100,000 in Facebook ads that were placed this week by the Trump campaign. And it was targeting states where you cannot travel to New York without quarantining for 14 days. So most of the people who are being solicited to enter this contest cannot legally win the prize and have dinner with Trump on Saturday. So it's just an obvious case of the fact that they're not really going forward with this contest in the way that they're telling people.
0: Judd, for three and a half years, these guys have been refusing to pay local police departments for security for Trump rallies and Trump campaign rallies and things. I mean, there's towns all over America. Trump owes literally millions of dollars, I believe, to cities and, and counties and states for providing security. And he's just like, screw them. This is how he ran his real estate business. I mean, he's been sued 3,000 times by vendors who say he never paid them. So if he doesn't pay his bills, and if he doesn't pay cops for security, why would we think that he would pay for dinner for somebody uh, who was the lucky winner of one of one of his contests? And if this is the kind of naked fraud that it appears to be, and we can't find anybody who actually won one of these things, isn't that the same thing that Letitia James is trying to take down the NRA for? Isn't that fraud?
1: I mean, I think it is fraud if you if you run a contest and there's no winner because uh, you're inducing people to contribute to the to the campaign for a chance to win, and I think it is fraud. Now, whether there's a way to hold them accountable for that, well, that's always the rub with Trump. But I think what's what's really struck me is just how much of this campaign's Messaging has been based on just lying to their supporters. You know, one of the things that I noticed as well was they have this Trump One Hundred Club, and they tell you that you've been one. I was invited to join that just a couple days ago. Be part of this club, and they then tell yeah, that to was, millions of people uh, on Facebook. Yeah, so I, it's really just shameless.
0: I was invited to be one of those people. I think, you know, I think I got that email about that yesterday. The day before, you really ought to send five bucks to the campaign and get on their list because it's mind-boggling. And then they sell their list to everybody else. Then you then you get on all these other right-wing lists, and they're all running scams. I mean, this whole right-wing ecosystem is just mind-boggling. We're talking to Judd Legum, who's the founder of Popular Info. He's the former editor, founding editor-in-chief at Think Progress, which was just a brilliant website in its day. You've done a deep dive into the Trump administration administration's $700 million loan to Kodak. Tell me about that.
1: Well, this was a, the, the fundamental question about the deal is, why would you give Kodak, which was only worth around $100 million before they got this deal, and is in the film business, why would you give them $750 million to produce the materials that you use to produce generic drugs instead of a pharmaceutical company or a chemical company or someone who's actually in this business you know that's the underlying problem and then once you go from there there are a lot of questions about how this was handled because the ceo and other insiders through both the purchase of stocks and them being given options as soon as late as a day before the deal was announced, who have really enriched themselves. So here are taxpayers paying this large loan in order to basically transform Kodak into a pharmaceutical company. And the result is so far that Kodak insiders are profiting. They're making millions. Yeah.
0: Isn't this isn't this like, you know, the buddies of Jared Kushner and Don Trump Jr., who who, you know, had never done business before and suddenly got multimillion dollar contracts for testing or swabs or, you know, what? I mean, there was a bunch of those kind of scandals early on in the coronavirus, as I recall.
1: Yeah, I think it's similar. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Remarkable stuff. Judd Legum, the website popular.info. His newsletter is a must read. Comes an email every day and it's just extraordinary. Judd, thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks a lot. Steve in New Boston, Michigan. Hey, Steve, what's up?
4: hi Tom. I'm talking about uh, when we listen to the president and other Republicans go on air and they make all kinds of accusations. that the Democrats are doing this. Democrats are doing that. When things are fact-checked, it turns out that these things are the exact things the Republicans they themselves are doing, and they're just trying to make someone else look like they're doing it, make themselves look good. But this call is in regards to about the ballots that the president's saying it's going to be a rigged election because there's going to be so many ballots coming in, and it's just going to be unfair and it's going to be rigged and that. What's to say that the Republicans themselves aren't the ones stuffing those ballots, even to the point of making Joe Biden such a winner by a huge margin that it's a ridiculous amount, and then they say, see, we told you, and yet it's the Republicans who are stuffing the ballots.
0: I don't think that the Republican Party, at the level of strategy, would be willing to engage in that kind of law-breaking. I do think, I mean, you know, the one example that we have of absentee ballot fraud was in, I believe, North Carolina, where this Republican contractor, and he apparently done it in a previous election, went around and bought uh, uh, ballots that hadn't been filled out and had people sign the outside of the envelope. So it was the actual real signature, bought ballots from people and then filled them out for Republican candidates. He got busted. He's in jail. And Republicans love to point to that case. Tom Cotton did last night on Sean Hannity's show. Louise and I flipped over there while MSNBC was in a commercial. And here's Tom Cotton basically talking about, well, we had some ballot theft in in North Carolina, you know. Well, yeah, that guy's in jail, number one. And number two, if you're going to use that logic, if you're going to say because somebody committed a crime, we should outlaw making it possible to commit that crime. It's sort of like saying people shoplift, so let's shut all the stores. I mean, that's how logical Tom Cotton was last night. But I'm telling you, in 2024, he's going to be the fascist candidate for president. Jan in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Jan, what's up?
5: I listen to Republican stations amongst them all just to see what they're up to. A couple weeks ago, they were talking about how the Christian evangelical megachurches are doing a nationwide get-out-the-vote-for-Trump. I haven't heard the Democrats doing anything like that. seems like they could do that with a lot of Democratic-leaning churches such as the black churches and any other church that would be swayed towards Biden. So I'm wondering why they haven't thought of doing that, if they're trying to get... Because the- they
0: are respecting the rule of law. The law says that if you as a church engage in any sort of partisan political activity, you lose your tax-exempt status. And so the, the progressive churches, um, the black churches, by and large, have not politic. They will, you know, they'll, they'll do things like get out the vote or souls to the polls, things like that. But those are not overtly partisan. The right-wing okay. churches, the, the white evangelical churches, are openly mm-hmm. embracing the Republican Party since the Republican Party has said, you know, we're, we're going to go all in on abortion and eliminating the rights of women to not only have an abortion, but even get birth control. Um, that has energized and activated the, the, the hard-right White supremacist Christian mm-hmm. evangelical movement, and they don't care about the okay. law. In fact, Donald Trump told him to go ahead and break the law. George W. Bush told him to go mm-hmm. ahead and break the law, and they did. No. They've been they've been doing no. this since the since the early two thousands. So yeah, we'll uh, that's like, what's going yeah. on, Jan. I I, yeah, okay. I I I just have to think though that that people who really truly, you know, are Christians. I don't, I don't know how to say this uh, other than this, you know, or or steeped in the in the in the in the true teachings, the the core teachings of any of the world's major religions, um, would have to look at what's going on in the Republican Party and, and certainly in the Trump administration and nothing else and say this is not consistent with any of the values practiced or at least preached by the founders well, of these religions. Oh, for sure.
5: Yeah, well, heaven help us all if more people don't open their eyes to all the foolishness that he's up to, because if he doesn't get out of office, I don't know, I'm just going to have to move to Canada, if they'll still accept Americans. I don't know. I, yeah. I just, I just They're to know not I know.
0: accepting Americans anymore, Jan. Unfortunately, no, we've no, got no, to we're... take our country back. <laughs> Jan, thank yeah. you for the call. Thanks for listening to Thanks. us on SiriusXM. 6 Again, there's so many stories that just don't get that much press. One of the other ones that I thought was really important, in 2016, as Mark Sumner points out over at Daily Kos, in 2016, Donald Trump and his campaign team made more than 100 contacts with Russian agents in what turned out to be a successful effort to basically, as Mark Sumner says, plunder information, disseminate propaganda, and ultimately steal an election. Other Republican officials were certainly involved to some degree, particularly Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who did everything he could to block efforts to make the people aware of Russian interference and damaged election security. So now they're apparently trying it again. This is uh, both the House and Senate, They've given Trump a free pass on this. You know, Trump was impeached for trying to get a foreign government to involve itself in our election. And every single Republican in the Senate except Mitt Romney said, that's fine with me. Right, over and over and over again. And Bill Barr is like, well, okay, I guess. And, uh, you know, now you've got Devin Nunes sitting on a packet of documents prepared by a pro-Russian official from Ukraine. This is where it gets interesting. In Ukraine, you've got basically, you know, two factions. You've got the the pro-nationalist, you know, we're Ukraine, we're a separate country faction. And then you've got the pro-Russia faction, which says, you know, we used to be part of the Soviet Union. We would like to be again. Some of those folks on the eastern part, or the western part of Ukraine and the central part. But on the eastern part, end of Ukraine, you've got a lot of people. You know, the Russians moved during the Soviet time, I and mean, it was four or five generations, three or four generations, during that time, a lot of Russians, ethnic Russians, Russian-speaking people, moved into the eastern side of Ukraine. And so, there, you know, there's a strong sentiment there to, to basically break off and become part of Russia. They, they speak Russian. You know, This is actually, there's a, a fair amount of complexity to that situation, which is usually lost. You know, all nuances typically lost. But Anyhow, because of this, you've got, some, you've got a bunch of folks in Ukraine who you know, are, are closer to the perspective of, uh, of President Putin than they are of the perspective of whoever the president of Ukraine is right at this moment. And they're cooperating and collaborating with uh, apparently Mike Pompeo and Devin Nunes to put together a, a, a pile of anti-Biden information. Again, Joe Biden's son, Hunter, worked for this Ukrainian, or, you know, was on the board of this Ukrainian company. Uh, it was stupid. It looked bad. It continues to look bad. But apparently there was no, you know, hanky-panky there of any sort. But, uh, you know, they're going to they're gonna trot this out. And uh, Rudy Giuliani has been over there several times and CNN reports uh, Democrats have been aware that Republicans in the House and Senate including Devin Nunes were sent a packet of information from pro-Russian Ukrainian lawmaker Andriy Derkach in January in the midst of Trump's impeachment and the Republicans refused to discuss what's in that packet they in fact they won't even admit that they have it although there's you know fairly close you know solid information in closed door intelligence committee hearings uh, Democratic representative Sean Patrick Maloney of New York made multiple attempts to get Devin Nunes to answer this one simple question. He said, is the ranking member even prepared to respond to the question? How about it, Mr. Nunes? Did you receive a package from Andrew Derrack or not? And would you share it with the committee or not? And Devin Nunes just sat there and wouldn't say anything. I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no. And Maloney, Sean Patrick Maloney, says, well, I guess this is a case where silence speaks volumes. And now that silence is extending to the FBI. Uh, Politico reported that after Democratic staff members became aware of the existence of the document packet, again, I'm quoting from Mark Sumner here over at Daily Kos, uh, they requested information on the contents from the FBI. This is uh, the staff members in Congress. Congress has oversight over the FBI. Not only has there been no information provided, there has not even been a response. You'll recall during the impeachment hearings, the White House refused to provide even one single witness or one single piece of paper to the House of Representatives impeachment committee. The Clinton administration cooperated fully. The Nixon administration, you know, fought it. But when the Supreme Court said, no, you've got to cooperate, they cooperated fully. Of course, it had a rather bad outcome for, for you know, in both cases. Uh, but now they're just not requ- they're not cooperating. And, uh, and then Bill Barr, when they asked Bill Barr about this, he's got this, uh, you know, one of his prosecutors, uh, John Bull Durham, right? John Durham, who is, uh, quote, looking into the origins of the Russian investigation. They asked Barr about that, and he I'm not going to tell you anything, basically. Elliot Engel has uh, issued a subpoena to another Republican who knows about what's going on, Mike Pompeo, our Secretary of State. And Pompeo is saying, I'm not going to answer your subpoena. This is insane.
6: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's not just the sound of that
7: first sip of Morning Joe, it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes.
8: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: You're listening to Tom Hartman.
0: Rosemary in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Hey, Rosemary, what's up?
7: Hi, I just wanted to say that we have our local elections coming up on the 18th of August, and I was just a little uh-huh. concerned because the mail-in ballot, you have to sign the outside with, you know, data then sign it. Should I could be concerned mm-hmm. about that, and also there's an option for your phone number and your email address. And I just didn't know right. if that's something that I should be concerned about. Why is that not inside the envelope? Why is it on the
0: outside? It's on the outside So The envelope, this, these are anti-fraud measures, Rosemary. Regardless of what Trump says, it's damn near impossible to fake a mail-in ballot and for the reason that you just described. Louise and I just a week ago or two weeks ago voted in our local Oklahoma County election and you know, same deal on the outside of the envelope it basically it's got a barcode or it's got a return address printed on it that identifies you when your ballot is received at the Secretary of State's office they will do what they would do if you were to walk up in a polling station which is they look up your name and address they make sure that you're a registered voter a legally registered voter and then they look in their records at the signature that you signed when you registered to vote And if that signature matches the signature on the outside of the envelope, then and only then, they open the envelope, pull out the ballot, and put it in the box for processing. So that's the anti-fraud measure that you're describing. But yeah, this is this is biometrics. You're welcome, Rosemary. Thank you. I mean, this is this is the thing. This is what has has bothered me about the whole Republican voter ID thing from the beginning, and it just really troubles me that there hasn't been more pushback about this in the media. The simple reality, the, the Republicans say people who aren't qualified to vote, you know, legally, they, they're illegal immigrants, the Republican phrase, undocumented people in this country, or they're uh, ex-felons, you know, but they're, they're not, they can't legally vote. They are, uh, they are showing up at polling places and uh, trying to vote anyway. And so we've got to require ID. We've got to require photo ID issued by a government agency so that we know that those people actually you know, discourage people who can't legally vote from voting. Well, first of all, people who can't legally vote don't generally want to vote, particularly given that in most states it'll, it can land you in jail for up to 15 years. So typically, it's two to five years. So you know, people don't want to do this in the, you know, commit this kind of crime in the first place. But the second thing is that we have had forever, I, at least throughout my whole entire lifetime, a biometric system for determining whether somebody is who they say they are. And it's more effective than ID. You know, I mean, you know, Anybody who is 17 years old or 16 years old can tell you how easy it is to get a fake ID so you can, you can you know, get into a bar or buy booze. Anybody can tell you that. And all of us who are older than 18, 17 or 18, remember how easy it was. But it, you know what's not easy? What's not easy is faking somebody's autograph. That's actually really difficult. It's a lot harder than getting a phony ID. And so I, I remember when I was seven years old and my mom was the voting person, you know, the the, the, the poll worker in, in Lansing, Michigan in our at our local elementary school. And I sat there and watched her do this for hours. People would come up and they would say, hi, I'm Joe. And whether she knew them or not, she'd say, hi, Joe, Uh, please sign the book. And they would sign the book and then she would pull out the card that they had signed when they registered. She'd hold it next to their signature on the book and and she would say, yep, it matches. And if it didn't match, she would send them to somebody else and say, you need to go over there. They're gonna talk to you about your voter registration. Apparently your autograph has changed, which does happen over time, our autographs change. But it's biometrics. It's impossible to fake. We had a foolproof, fraud-proof system. And then the Republicans said, oh, no, we can't have that. We've got to have photo ID. Photo ID is not as reliable as a signature. So with mail-in balloting, and now you've got at least one state saying, we want you to send us a a copy, you know, a Xerox of of your ID. Really? The autograph on the outside of the envelope is all it takes, and that's your way of saying, I am me, and here's the proof. It's harder to fake an autograph, a signature. It's harder to fake a signature than it is to fake an ID. So, you know, that's the deal. I'm sorry to go off on a rant here when I've got, you know, an entire board full of calls waiting, but but this is a point that needs to be made over and over and over again. This, this whole ID thing never should have been allowed to get as far as it's gotten. You know, the Republicans have been working on this for 20 years and finally it's being taken You're seriously.
3: Listening to Tom Hartman, visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. It was always a lie. A,
0: there was no voter fraud. B, ID is not the most effective way to do it. Biometrics is, with signatures, which we've been doing forever. Laura in Everett, Washington. Hey, Laura, what's on your mind today?
7: I want to bring attention to the immediate need to do grassroots action to get a more robust and complete census participation.
0: Trump is trying to bail out a month early on this.
7: Yeah, we have like maybe four in 10 households that have responded. Some of that is because people don't have computers some of that is because people are afraid of immigration but some of it is just is is just maybe people don't know it's still going on it's that broken and it's a crisis to our representation if we don't have accurate numbers a low count only benefits the republicans and people who want to reduce our representation and reduce our programs and institutions and shrink education so it's it's important i think Um, finding ways in our communities to do grassroots outreach to make sure that people who only have phones have access to that number. We might have to do neighborhood phone trees, um, church or activist group phone trees Just make sure people know that they can fill it out on the phone. um, And people who have computers, they, if you do it on the computer, it's still available. It's still open. And when you fill it out on the computer, you make it so they don't have to create a contact opportunity while we're in a pandemic. So that, that's it. It's in, just so essential. Thank you.
0: Laura, in the election, or excuse me, in the, in the year, you know, the, the census is done every year that ends with a zero, every 10 years. And in 2010, in 2000, In 2010 it was Obama, 2000 it was Bill Clinton was president, and in uh, 1990 George Herbert Walker Bush was president. I don't remember the census of 1980 or 1970. I don't have a specific memory of them, but those last three, I remember the time of the census. And what I remember about it is that advertising on television was ubiquitous. There were constant ads saying, here's how to fill out your census when a census worker comes calling. I remember, and I don't remember which one it's from, but I remember ads where it actually had the census worker coming to the door and smiling and all on TV and I haven't seen a single one of those ads, and I live in a blue state. I'm wondering if the federal government is running those ads this this year, only only running them in red states. Have you seen ads like that at all in Washington state, a blue state?
7: Well, here's the thing is that I think the big difference between the last census and now is that media shift where everything went from TV stations to digital, and it really caused mm. a lot of the divide in access to information. And so now these local areas have been given budgets to spend, and some of the things are pushing ads on Facebook and they're pushing ads in the neighborhood groups, but they're not, I haven't seen anything on mainstream media because, quite frankly, I don't have a cable pack- package um, and I don't uh-huh. watch Fox. So you'd have to ask some people who have a cable package and watch Fox or ask how. I wonder local- if those
0: ads are running on Fox. Or if they they're running on Sinclair stations or something.
7: Yeah, the, the bottom line is local areas have budgets to spend on it. And I would imagine that Republicans who want to continue to push their numbers in Republican areas are pushing extra money into it. And, they, and I would
0: guess so. I, I just don't know. If anybody listening or watching knows about that, please give us a shout. Laura, thank you for the call. Your Your, your points are very well made. Andy in Newport News, Virginia. Hey, Andy, what's up?
4: Hi Tom, I got a real simple question. We do everything online, why can't we vote online?
0: You know, it's a reasonable question in the context of being able to bank online, right? I mean, you know, I right. if I can deposit a check from home and send money from home, I haven't interacted with my bank physically more than once or twice in the last couple of years. If we can do that and you know, with safety and security, and of course if anybody's going to go after anything they're going to go after money, you know, long before they go after your vote. Then why can't we vote? That you know, and and that's a strong argument and it's a, a very reasonable question. The other side, the, the the folks who are very skeptical about online voting and put me in that category by the way, are concerned that number one industrial strength hacking, the kind of hacking that a country can do, could take down a bank and Probably fairly easily. I mean, we took down Iran's nuclear system. We, we made their centrifuges spin backwards and break. So the problem in that regard with online voting is that, uh, you know, yeah, you may be able to stop the garden variety criminal or the garden variety, you know, guy who's trying to break into your bank. And the penalties for bank robbery, by the way, are much, much higher than the penalties for interfering with the vote. The disincentive is much greater. So number one, I would say that, you know, I would have a concern about industrial strength, international hackers, foreign governments. And number two are the sophistication of the computing systems of our government are way behind where they should be. You've got unemployment websites, probably a third of the states, certainly all the red states, that are still being run on computers that are running, you know, Fortran and BASIC and stuff. I mean, they can't keep up with the demand. They're they're 20-, 30-year-old computer systems. Banks can afford that kind of security because they're making piles of money. But ever since the Reagan tax cuts and Ronald Reagan's war against America with Reaganomics— our entire infrastructure from our schools to our hospitals to our highways to our airports, everything, our bridges, our water systems, our sewer systems, everything has been, by and large, with the single exception of local wealthy communities that can fund themselves, has been falling apart. And that includes the government infrastructure of computers. I believe Estonia is the only country in the world that does all online voting. And I might be wrong on that, but I but I believe that I'm
4: right. Somebody it be inter- make a program in- that would be safe.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to look at at what's happened because Estonia has a history of, uh, you know, uh, not not the greatest relationship with Russia, and and they are you know one of the more sophisticated hacking powers. It'd be interesting to see what you know what has gone on and how it has played out. I just don't know. Right now, I don't think America is ready for online voting. Is the bottom line, and frankly, I think any states' voting systems that are online need to be taken offline right now. Steve in St. Louis, Missouri. Hey, Steve, what's up?
1: I think uh, the American people should be more worried about domestic voter fraud than any foreign intervention on our elections. Um, Domestic fraud gets you. So
0: how how many how many people have been arrested for voter fraud in the last year or in the last 10 years?
1: Well, in 2016, a woman voted twice. Remember, she had 17 years
0: right so we had one person arrested out of what a billion votes cast over the last 10 years
1: that's correct but what i'm referring to So why should we be
0: worried about this
1: well i'm more worried about the gerrymandering of the southern states that right there is fraud every time the election happens oh
0: so you're talking you're not talking about voter fraud you're talking about election fraud
1: well yeah but that's part of your vote is the election
0: No, but voter fraud is where individual voters commit crimes. Election fraud is where political parties or states or systems commit crimes. And election fraud has been happening right in front of our eyes at the level of literally millions of people every election where uh, like Brian Kemp throwing, you know, uh, almost a million voters off the rolls. Actually, more than a million voters off the rolls in Georgia in the in the two years leading up to Stacey Abrams, to his challenge, you know, by uh, you know, the election between him and Stacey Abrams. Um, refusing to put 50,000 African-American voters who Stacey Abrams registered on the polls, on the rolls, for that vote. And then she loses by exactly 50,000 votes or 51,000 votes, I think it was. Um, That's election fraud. That's happening all over the country. That's what Republicans want to be able to continue to do. And and, you know, but there there really is no voter fraud in the United States. Voter fraud is is it's BS that doesn't it largely doesn't exist. Yes, there have been a few people who are felons who are not allowed to vote who have voted. There have been a couple of people who voted twice, um, you know, but we're talking about a couple of dozen people every year. I mean, that's just an absolutely meaningless number. It's not going to influence any elections anywhere. So Steve, I get what you're saying and I don't disagree, but I think that we need to keep these things in perspective. Tom in Jerusalem, Israel. Hey Tom, what's up? The
3: book that you have on Putin looks extremely interesting, but I think the only caveat I would have is I think people on the left need to be very, very careful about red baiting because basically we created our own enemy ever since the you know the treaties that ended the cold war with the russians they were told none of the nato troops are going to come to the russian borders well guess what they're there and i think this is a trap that the left can fall into a lot of times anyway if you could comment on that i know you got a lot of callers I appreciate your sure. program.
0: No, very, very uh, my thoughts on that are, 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 are very explicit. It is true that when the wall came down, George Herbert Walker Bush, as I recall, was president um, or around that time was negotiating this with, with uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, if I'm remembering this wrong, with um, oh, what's his name? The guy with the birthmark on his forehead. Uh, anyhow, uh, you know they were negotiating that, and yeah, Gorbachev, and and but basically the the message Gorbachev, was, yeah. uh, you know, we will not put NATO troops on Russia's border, and and exactly. we've had you know a couple of administrations that have been basically going back on that. On the one hand, on the other hand, you know when 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 the Soviet Union vanished and Russia became Russia. The the uh, with the enthusiastic support of people from both parties mm-hmm. in the United States, the Chicago boys, the, the Milton Friedman bunch, went over to Russia and said, we will show you how to convert a communist economy into a capitalist economy. Mm-hmm. And and basically they did laissez faire on steroids, and which is guaranteed yeah, yeah. to produce not a. Not a, a functioning democratic republic, but instead an oligarchy, which is what is what Russia became as a consequence of that. So, uh, and now you've got you know Russia behaving in, 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 at times in ways that are promotive, uh, shall we say, of oligarchy as opposed to democracy, and that has brought. Brought Russia, in, or at least you know Putin's government, into some conflict with the United States, particularly during the Obama administration. And you know, personally, I would love to see both the United States and Russia pull back from the edge of oligarchy. Russia has stepped over that already. The United States is right on that line, uh, right on the edge of it. And uh, you know, it, it seems to me that the problem isn't so much any more red baiting or anything like that, but but the, the very real political and Uh, economic and and social uh, problems uh, of massive inequality, income and wealth inequality, that come about as the result of an oligarchic or kleptocratic form of government. Um, And that, you know, and and we have to keep in mind, Russia has the second largest arsenal of nuclear weapons in the world. They are not insignificant. They have a much smaller economy than the United States. Their (laughs) economy is smaller than California, but they are a major military force and a major force in the world and a major, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 technical force, uh, internet force and things like that. And uh, I think just just sloganeering this thing and, uh, you know, villainizing people, Mm -hmm. I don't think is a good idea. Oh, this is interesting. Chad Wolf. Chad Wolf is the head of Homeland Security, right? he's our top cop here in the United States right now. He's the acting Secretary of Homeland Security because Trump doesn't think that he could get approval by the Senate. Why? Because he's a lobbyist. We put a lobbyist in charge of the Department of Homeland Security, honest to God. I mean, we've got lobbyists in charge of everything, right? There's a lobbyist, an oil lobbyist in charge of the EPA, a coal lobbyist in charge of interior, a telco, a Verizon lobbyist in charge of the uh, the FCC. Uh, You you pick your agency. Odds are there's a lobbyist in charge of it. If it's not a lobbyist, it's somebody who gave, you know, a couple million dollars to the Donald Trump campaign or or to Donald Trump. And Chad Wolf is, you know, hey, surprise, surprise, in that category. And so what happens when lobbyists are put in charge of federal agencies, federal agencies that spend billions of dollars a day? Well, somehow lots and lots of that money makes its way to those, that lobbyist's former clients. And, you know, that's very clearly what's going on. Several of Wolf's former clients reaped a total of at least $160 million in contracts, from the Department of Homeland Security. This is from, uh, uh, Brian Schwartz wrote this for American Bridge to the 21st Century, this group. Um, Kyle Morse, the spokesperson for American Bridge, says Donald Trump and Chad Wolf's flagrant conflicts of interest screw taxpayers while while rewarding their crony friends and special interests. When voters sent Trump to Washington, they thought he would, quote, drain the swamp. Right. In reality, he's created a parallel an unparalleled culture of corruption, proving that, his, proving that his campaign talking point is nothing more than another in a long line of broken promises. The American people deserve better and will choose to build back a better country on Election Day. Several former lobbying clients of Ch- Chad Wolf, uh, Brian Schatz, writes, now the acting secretary of Homeland Security, have received millions of dollars worth of government contracts while he has held senior positions within the department. Uh, he was uh, serving yeah, under Christian Nielsen before that. Um, so, who got the money and how? Well, let's see here. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, yeah, uh, American Science and Engineering, an X-ray equipment manufacturer; ABB, an automation company based in Switzerland; Analogic Corporation, a technology business owned by equity firm, private equity firm, Alteris. Uh, it goes on and on. One American Science and Engineering contract, which took effect on July first, is worth eighty million dollars. a filing says the company, in this case, is dedicated to supplying Customs and Border Protection, but they're under a DHS, so Chad Chad can decide who gets the money. Uh, ASNE, which, according to its website, is now owned by Rapid Scan Systems, saw at least ninety-three million bucks. Analogic got nine million dollars. Uh, they just, uh, you know, it, it just goes on and on. Uh, from 2008 to 2010, Wolf lobbied TSA for Analogic. So the company that he lobbied on behalf of, ABB, the other company that got the big contract, ABB had tapped Wolf to lobby Congress on their behalf. And they've seen a major contract go their way. while Wolf is at the top of DHS. It's remarkable. Swamp, meet America.
2: Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.
0: Mark in San Francisco. Hey, Mark, what's up?
3: Uh, Tom, you know, last uh, week I called uh, Nancy Pelosi kamala harris's office and um and Jackie spear and I told them to get out in front of the, uh, this social security fight and say that uh, Trump wants to defund social security, and they can't message yep. they, they're, they're doing a terrible job messaging that's we shouldn't be losing to the Republican Party for their record we should we win in every election, but they can't message,
0: yeah or they're they're ineffective at it and and I get that and I have you know I wrote a book to try and help them it's called Cracking the Code it came out in 2000 what in time for the 2008 election as I recall or maybe it was the 2006 election, um, but it's a, about using NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and psychology in your messaging. It's basically how to be a left-wing front, uh, Frank Luntz, how to use this kind of language to, to debate people, how to use it to, in, and how politicians should use it. And I've been begging the Democratic Party to pay attention to that forever. And uh, the problem is, you know, it's it's uh, the old cliche. You know, uh, Republicans are a top-down organization. Somebody says salute, and everybody salutes. Democrats, it's like herding cats. You know, it's it's uh, we're all in this together, but we're all over the place. So that's the problem. Mark, you've you've identified a an issue that. Uh, uh, I've been talking about on this program since since we started. Catherine, in Atascadero?
9: It's Atascadero, Thank you. For, there we go. Atascadero, California. It's in the central coast of California, mm-hmm. by Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I had I've to put been a in that neighborhood. you about this so-called uh, tax cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that mean that the employers, such as Amazon, are also going to have that same so-called tax Yes,
0: every every big corporation in America will will reduce the amount of payroll that they're having to pay by six point four percent.
9: So the employee and the The employee and the employer portion will not be paid into Social Security.
0: So that's their plan.
9: And it really is just a big more money into big pockets.
0: Yep, it? I absolutely agree. Plus, it sets up Social Security to be privatized and oh. or turned into a welfare program. Your choice. I mean, you know, it, it's right. it, this is going to kneecap Social Security. And absolutely and of course, as I, as I pointed out to Stephen, that has been the goal of the Republican Party ever since 1935 when Social Security was passed.
9: Oh, I know that very well. My husband and I are both in our 80s. We are both collecting Social Security. Uh, and it would harm us greatly because we have just about gone through all of the savings that we had uh, to, you know, mm. to cushion us past Social Security. So anyway, thanks for taking my question today. I love sure. your show. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Catherine. Thanks so much for your nice comments and, and for, uh, for for calling in. You know, the, the simple ra- reality is, and, and we all need to basically memorize this, that moving Social Security from the payroll tax into the general fund means that Social Security, instead of being paid for by the payroll tax and having its own separate walled-in fund, will become just another government program paid for out of income taxes, which means that as the debt, as the deficit goes up, they'll say, oh, we can't afford that anymore. Let's cut it. It's a trillion dollars a year. It's one of the major government outlays. And so, you know, they will have an excuse to then start cutting Social Security. Well, let's just, let's start out by means testing it. Why is Charles Koch getting Social Security? Why would a billionaire get Social Security? Let's cut those people out. And then, you know, six months later, they come back and say, well, why is anybody making over a million getting Social Security? And then a couple of months later, they'll come back and say, why is anybody making over $100,000 a year? Making, getting? And then pretty soon it's going to be, why is anybody who ever made over $50,000 a year getting Social Security? Maurice in Chicago. Hey, Maurice, what's up?
3: The cost of living is still up, Tom. <laughs>
0: Indeed, it is. And the rent's too damn high. <laughs> I know. And it? you'll never
3: get any argument from anybody when you answer that thing, what's up, like that.
0: <laughs> I see. Okay. How do we handle it, yes, sir?
3: God bless you, man. Here is how we handle the evil oligarchs mm-hmm. we mount a major assault on. On the major banks. And I'm not talking about a one or two day symbolic protest here, Tom. I'm talking about hitting them hard and hurting them bad. I'm talking about customers, millions of customers who have accounts at Citigroup, Chase, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America, the banksters, as you like to call them sometimes. Close your accounts. Sever your connections fire your banker and say to whoever you do the transaction with fix my country thank you brother and
0: and open yeah you're welcome maurice and i would add to that and open accounts open an account in a local credit unions uh, credit union credit unions are non-profit they've got their own backstop federal agency just like fdic so that you know if they go down you you're covered up to i think a quarter million dollars and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you when you put money into a credit union, you become basically a shareholder in that credit.
3: union. You you yeah. Yeah. All 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 the
0: all the positions on the board of directors, they're all elected from people who have money in that credit union. I mean, you you yep. can actually be, you know, get politically active in your credit union. Maurice. Brilliant. John in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hey, John, what's on your mind today?
4: Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and, and down here you know TVA, it's Tennessee Valley Authority. There's some huge news going on right now that I think will affect uh, well most everybody, but maybe they don't know about. It. You know, TVA okay. is a uh, tell me about it. is a public utility. It, you know, most people don't know. Maybe maybe they do. TVA is a public utility, and they have board of directors that's appointed by the president and have to be confirmed by the Senate. Well, Trump fired the uh, chairman of the board of directors and the past chairman and he told the rest of the directors that if they don't fire the ceo that he would you know fire them as well now on the surface it looks like what he's trying to do is uh, TVA. a couple of months ago announced that they were outsourcing the it department to uh, overseas well that's not a good thing i understand that but under that rouge he's doing this he's saying because of that but the real reason, Tom, you think is, he's setting it up for remember, privatization? Yes, but here's the step he's taken. You're correct there, but he's taking these steps to get there. Uh, if you remember a couple of months ago, um, maybe more than that, uh, he 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 was upset, had one of his patented Trump fits uh, because uh, the board of directors did not uh, they, well they closed Paradise Coal Plant in Kentucky. Now you know that's one of his big promises back in when he was. Running, that he was going to bring back the coal industry, even though it's got a net loss of coal jobs right now. But they closed that facility up there, a Par- huge plant there in Paradise. But it was ineffective; it was, uh, you know, just a nasty plant, and it was just going to cost too much to keep running. So TVA made the decision to shut that plant down. Trump was infuriated, and he pledged right then he was going to get back at him. And I think he's well. I know He's, he's using this rouge right here too. Get rid of those people now, and like I say, get rid of the board. Yeah, this is a pivotal time right now for TVA. Like I say, in this region, it's, it's huge. It's big news here. Probably not the rest of the place, but uh, uh it's this the largest. Uh, I believe the largest public utility in the United States. So, like I say, and he wants to.
0: Yeah, it was created it by Franklin sure. Roosevelt, as I recall. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So TVA. is That's
8: uh,
4: correct? Yes.
0: John, this is you're there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Is this a large topic of conversation? Is it in the local papers? Are people yes. you know, generally supportive yes. of Trump or outraged? Or you know what's going on? How's it how's it playing well, out in local politics?
4: Well, the first the first day is headline news. You know, Trump fires board directors and uh, and the the past director and all this stuff. And, and uh, because of the outsourcing it said, well, this morning the, the paper says, oh, the workers are buoyed, buoyed by Trump, you know, firing the board director. It, it ain't got nothing. It ain't got nothing to do with. It. He could care less about am I, uh outsourcing the IT department. You know as well as I do, Tom, that he's he only does things that's going to help him. He could care less. I mean. Look at his golf courses. How many illegal immigrants did he have on his golf courses where he got caught? Now, he could care less about that, but he wants to do this other thing, and that's the rouge he's using.
0: Does that make sense to you? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense to me, John, and privatizing anything that's public right now is real high on his agenda, and, and the agenda of the of the libertarian billionaires who support him, you know, the Kochs and Mercers and whatnot. John, thank you for the heads up on that. I'll You put it on my radar screen, I'll, I'll, I'll look for some stories on it. Thank you, John. And and I wish you well and fighting a good fight. Monica in
5: Colorado Springs. Hey, Monica, what's up? As a critical care nurse, talking about the, all the patients with COVID, I think that... I bet the number is 20 to 30% higher because young people that lay in bed for a week, they don't get tested. But these people on the vent for four weeks, they're going to have a $1 to $2 million hospital bill. I think this is going to really push universal health care with the next administration. I was thinking about the murders of our U.S. men in Afghanistan, having two sons in the military and myself. And what benefit would that be? Putin probably knows that Trump is going to lose. So this would be one thing that he could do, go in and blast the Taliban, and it would be a positive for him as he's got not much else going on. Also, Pompeo going around Congress to give weapons to his buddy Saudi Arabia. You were talking about starting another impeachment. It's very fearful to me as a Democrat. China, Ivanka bought voting machines there. Saudi Arabia and with Putin being able again to go in and manipulate our our vote is, is very, very fearful to me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about it too, Monica. Um, I also am concerned about Republicans in, in individual states declaring states of emergency and locking down largely Democratic areas so people can't go out to vote. Um, I'm concerned about them uh, refusing to certify the vote and calling for, you know, uh, the 12th Amendment. I mean, there's so many things, so many ways this, this, this thing could go south and go ugly. Um, uh, I just, you know, we cannot be complacent. We cannot be complacent. We can't even be on the edge of complacent. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, get out there, get active. Democracy needs you. Tag your it. And tell your friends about progressive media. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and be good.
3: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit tomhartman.com.